is our third. And I want to welcome all of you. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about wood for the fire. What fire? The fire that is supposed to be in every Christian's heart. Jesus said, you, as a Christian, are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Well, you can't be a light unless you're lit. So when we got saved, a flame was born inside of us. We call it zeal. We call it excitement. Uh, we call it uh, a burning. I, I call it Holy Ghost heartburn. But it doesn't hurt. It's a good, it's passion from God. Jesus called it your first love, your first love for him. Now that's supposed to burn in us. It is never supposed to ebb in a believer. Not to mean you're supposed to walk around super emotional all the time. But you are supposed to have an ongoing passion for God and for the things of God. So this is the fourth week we've been talking about different kindling for the fire. And today I want to talk to you about the subject, do it now. Do it now. And I want to read one verse. Jesus is talking. And he's giving a little autobiograph, a little testimony. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, for the night comes when no man can work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray you will birth in us an increase in that fire, in that passion, in that zeal for God, that, Lord, will burn on until the day you return. And you can breathe a prayer church and just say, Lord, light the fire in me. Help it to burn bright in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to let you preach a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't burn out, burn on. Now, Jesus here in this verse when he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the night is coming when no man will be able to work. What is he talking about? He's, he's talking about taking advantage of opportunities while they're there. Not just any opportunities, but the opportunities to work the works of God. Now, let me give you an example of one of the works of God. The Bible says, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. So when a person gets saved, comes to Christ, and their life is changed by Christ, that was the work of God. This is the work of God. So at, when we minister, when we share our faith with people, and they get saved, that's the work of God. When we pray, that's a work of God. When we walk in the Spirit, that's a work of God. When we dedicate our lives to Him, that's a work of God. There are many works of God that believers are involved in. The worship we just did is a work of God. It is the work of God that you worship Him. Now, Jesus says, the day will come when the freedoms and the opportunities to do the works of God are going to diminish. The same freedoms, the same opportunities won't be there that are there now. So he's saying, seize the moment, seize the season, 
work the works of God, take advantage of God-given opportunity while they're there, and don't let them pass you by. Jesus called that hour when you can no longer do the works of God in freedom, he called it nighttime. The night is coming when no man can work. And the time when opportunities for doing the works of God are still there, he called that daytime. Folks, we're in a daytime, but the shadows of the evening are lengthening. We're not in the same nation we were in 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Jesus said, work while it is day. Take advantage of the opportunities that I've given you while it is daytime. Take advantage of doors while they are open because God opens doors. Don't let God-given opportunities pass you by. What I'm sharing about today is there is a time when we should do it now. There is an opportunity, a moment, a season when we must act and do the works of God while we can. Do it now. Do it today. Do it while the door is open. One good example um, of this very thing is when Paul wrote to Timothy. And it, it, this, what I'm about to read to you is a verse that gets me every time. It, it's full of pathos because Paul is writing his last letter, 2 Timothy. The last words out of this incredibly powerful man are being written. He is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He had earlier said about Timothy, there's nobody like me like Timothy. Nobody has my spirit, my attitude, my heart, my faith like Timothy, my son. It was a father-son relationship spiritually, and Paul is about to be taken out by martyrdom. He knows his days are numbered. He knows his time is short. And so he writes to Timothy, and I want you to, to hear his heart here. He says, Timothy, do your utmost to come before winter. Get to me before winter sets in. What's he saying? He's saying, come before the winter cold hinders you, Timothy. Come before the door is shut. Come while you're still able. Come before the executioner's sword has fallen and I am gone for good. Come now, Timothy. Come while you can because there's an opportunity, but that opportunity is not going to be there forever. I want you to do it now. I want you to move today. Timothy, strike now while the iron is hot. Get to me. The idea here is that, that every God-given opportunity has a shelf life. Every opportunity that God brings our way has an expiration date, a shelf life. We understand that milk has a shelf life. You know, when I was in elementary school, I've got a memory that's with me today. When I was in elementary school, you know, you, that was back when they gave you real food. And I remember going through the, the line and always getting that little carton of milk. I remember one day, it's vivid. It has never left me. I got that little carton of milk. I had my, my, my meal. I forget what it was, but I popped open that little carton of milk. And I started chugging before I knew anything. And I realized, oh, about five or ten seconds into it, that that milk was bad and it was curdled. And I was chug-a-lugging that milk. And, and I, it has put an imprint on my mind the rest of my life. It's a miracle that I was ever able to drink milk again. And I learned right then and there, some of the best things in life have a shelf life. Some of the best things in life have an expiration date. 
bread has a shelf life. Lunch meat has an expiration date. Now listen carefully. So do opportunities. God-given opportunities have a shelf life. They have an expiration date. And if you don't respond and do it now, do, there are certain things required that have now written all over them. Do it now. If you don't take advantage of it while it's there, it'll curdle on you. It'll go bad on you. The opportunity will pass. Now, one of the most familiar verses in the whole Bible I'm going to read to you, most of you in here will recognize this verse, and it tells us something very, very important. Here it is, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. For everything in life, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. For everything in your life and mine, there's a season. God created life in seasons. We're entering into my favorite season of all, fall, when we are out of that burning, fiery oven. Fall, when the fair opens. Fall, when the leaves turn brown and the temperature drops. And there's just something about fall that I just love. But fall leads to winter, leads to spring, leads to summer. And every one of our lives also have seasons. There is a spring when you're born, a summer in the prime of your life. There is a fall as you begin to age. And then there is a winter when you go into your latter years and get ready to meet your maker. We are created as seasonal people. We are not products of some uncaring evolution that spat us into time by chance. We are people of product. We are, that is, we are people that God created with purpose, with design, with intent, with destiny, and every one of us, one of us have a purpose over our life. There is a God, and that God is a God of purpose. And he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. I've got a plan I've got a purpose for you, and that purpose is discovered in the person of Jesus Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and he is our wisdom. So for everything, watch this, everything, there's a season. Everything in your life, there's a season for it. And there's a time for every solitary purpose that is to happen in your life. Now let me just pluck two words from there, season and time. For everything there is a season. Season there is from a Hebrew word meaning fitting time. For every purpose of God in your life and mine, there is a season, a fitting time for that purpose to be brought to pass. Season. It means the circumstances are in place. All the lights are green. The door is open. The coast is clear. The season is favorable to make your move. There's not a million and one obstacles all around you, but the season is there, and God has opened the door. And the message from heaven is step into it, step through it, take advantage of the opportunity I've brought before your eyes. Season. But then he uses the word time. Time is very simple. All of that word is telling us is that there is an appointed length of time during which the opportunity will last. In other words, it has a, a shelf life. It has an expiration date, every opportunity that God brings. There is a duration of time. It has a timer attached to it, like an egg timer. 
an opportunity comes and the hourglass is turned upside down and that thing has a duration of time, that opportunity. So there is a favorable season for every opportunity. And one day that season will pass. Remember, Jesus said, work while it's day, while the opportunity is favorable. For the night is coming when no man can work, when opportunity will be gone, or at least more scarce. All through the Bible, we hear about God opening doors for people. I want you to know that we serve a door-opening God. He is intimately and intricately involved in the affairs of men. In Revelation 3, the resurrected Jesus appears to John the Revelator, and he says, he, he identifies himself, and he's speaking to the church in Philadelphia. And here's the way he IDs himself. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. Here's Jesus literally saying, I have the key to all the opportunities in your life. And if I open a door, no man's going to shut it. And if I shut it, no man is going to open it. I have the key to the doors in your life. Okay? Then he goes on and says to them, See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. What's he saying to the Philadelphia church? He's saying, I've put before you an open door. Take advantage of it. Do it now. Rise to the occasion. Walk through it. Don't let it go by. Take advantage of what I've made available to you. Grab it. Seize the season. Paul said, a great and effectual door has opened for me, and there are many adversaries. The Message Bible puts it this way. A huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. Paul said, I'm looking at a huge door that God has opened for me. Now, what do you see Paul doing when there was a door open for him? Man, he seized it. He took advantage of it. He squeezed every drop out of it he possibly could. He, he always ran through the doors that God opened. He took advantage. He made the most of every opportunity. There was in Paul an urgency that needs to be in us that says, do it now. There are certain things, and I'm going to go over a few of them in just a moment, that we need to do now. And let me tell you why we don't do some of the things we should when we should. It's an attitude. And the attitude is talked about in James. James chapter 4, verse 13. James nails an attitude that no Christian should ever have. He says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there a year and we're going to do business there and make a profit. Now he's quoting some wheeling, dealing businessmen. And he's kind of revealing the way they think. Well, we've made up our minds. We've targeted a town. In that town, there is profit for us. We're going to go there for about a year, and we're going to make some money. Now, some of you might say, well, what in the world is wrong with that? I do that all the time. But listen, there's an attitude tucked away in what they said. Here it is. It's the attitude that we should avoid is this one, the presumption that you still have X number of years left in your life. See, there's a presumption in that statement. Well, we're going to go away for a year. We're going to that town. We're going to make money. We, we got our life in front of us. We got all the time in the world. And James said, no, here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we shall live 
and do this or that. You know why you're here today? Because God let you live. That's why you're here today. The Bible teaches, well, first of all, it never says don't make plans for the future. But you, you plan as though you're going to be here for years to come, but your heart needs to be ready to go at any time. James says, how do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's there for a little while, then it's burned off by the sun. Your life is like a flower that pokes up out of the ground in the springtime, blossoms beautifully, but within two or three days, the sun burns it and wilts it and it dies. Your life is a blink, a camera flash, tucked in between two eternities. Boom! That's your life. A hyphen. That's your life. A breath. That's your life. James is saying, you don't know how long you have. No one does, so don't presume that things you should do today, you can just take care of five years, ten years down the road, because you may not be here five years or ten years down the road. If the Lord wills, we're going to live. If the Lord wills, we're going to live and do this or do that. So don't say I've got all kinds of time. Because listen, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is uncertain. You can't bring yesterday back and you can't reach into tomorrow. You may not be there for tomorrow. The most important day we have is today, today, this day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day. Work while it is day. Make the most of every opportunity for the night comes when no one will be able to work when the opportunity is going to be diminished. Now, let me share with you three things that I have now written all over them, things we should do today. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir before I go to this first one. I know I'm talking to the choir that virtually almost everyone in here is a Christian, has experienced the born-again experience, has come to Christ, gone to the cross, and has experienced the joy of salvation. But guess what, choir? You know people who are lost. So I'm going to bring a truth home to us again. One thing we cannot say, well, I'll do it down the road. I'll take care of it when I'm older, when I've had my fun, paid my bills, done my partying, had my family, taken care of all the things I want to do. Then I will take care of my salvation. Then I'll come to God. Then I'll turn to Christ. The first thing that you need to consider as a two-day thing is salvation. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, for God says, at just the right time, listen to the verbiage about timing and time, at just the right time I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The right time is now when you're talking about the salvation of your soul. Jesus said there's not another thing more valuable in all the earth than your soul. Whether or not you know it, you have a soul. That soul is eternal. The Bible says that it's given unto a man to die only once and then the judgment. You will not come back as a cricket or a cow or another person. You die once and then you go to the judgment. You have within you, and I do, an eternal soul, 
lest why in the world did Jesus come? He came to die for the souls of men. And that soul, Jesus said, is more valuable than anything on earth. He said, what shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? You can become a billionaire many times over and lose your soul. You can be famous, known, popular, charismatic, rich, accomplished, educated. But if you lose your soul, you've lost the game. You've lost it all. When it comes to our salvation, Satan's favorite word is someday. Someday I'll come to him. Someday when I've had all my fun, I'll come to him. Someday when I feel like it, someday when I'm older, it doesn't matter so much. Someday when I'm sick and on my deathbed, then I'll come to him. But I've been around long enough to see that people who say someday, that day never comes. God's favorite word for, for you and me is today. Satan's is someday. God's is today. Well, when, when grace comes knocking, respond today. When you have strength to call on his name, come today. Do it today. Respond today. Stanley Jones said about getting saved, if you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. See that dead squirrel in the middle of the road? There's a squirrel that couldn't make up his mind. You've seen the way they do. Poop. <laughs> Here's the way a lot of people do with God. And you're in the middle of the road. And you can't make up your mind. You've heard it and heard it and heard it, but you can't make up your mind. If you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. How many people have walked away from hearing about Jesus Christ saying to themselves, someday, and someday never came? I've personally witnessed to people all through the years who have said to me these words, someday, Jeff, I'm glad you found what you like, but someday I might think about it. And you know that I've buried some of them. Some of them have died in their sins. I've preached their funerals. One of them, the urn, was right in front of me of the man I'd witnessed to. When it comes to salvation, do it now. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist in the 1800s, was holding a crusade in Chicago. He had thousands of people in this huge hall. And one night, totally out of character, Mr. Moody decided to say to the people who were listening to him, the thousands, come back tomorrow night after you've thought about what I said. Fateful words. That very night, not very far away, a cow kicked over a lantern in a barn owned by Patrick and Catherine O'Leary. The resulting fire raged through Chicago. It became known as the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. It quickly became a, an inferno that took away 3.3 square miles of the city, and it killed hundreds of people, many of whom had been in that meeting that night when Moody said, come back tomorrow night. He vowed thereafter he would never again preach without taking advantage of the opportunity to offer salvation because the time, the opportunity with that crowd, that season had passed. Your salvation is a now issue. There's a second thing that says now. Think about this. Settling unfinished business with God. 
settling unfinished business with God. I've been around long enough to see that a lot of people walk around carrying luggage behind them. They carry that luggage behind them. You can hear them coming, clunk, 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 clunk. You get around them for 10 minutes and you hear all about the luggage behind them. But here's some luggage you need to pay attention to. It is when God has told you to do something back there in your yesterday, back there, and, and you didn't do it. You haven't done it. He nudged you, told you to let go of this, forgive this person, make that call, make that move, build that business, take care of this, that, or the other. And, and, and we ignored the nudge, and we ignored the nudge. He did it over and over again, and each time his voice grew softer, and we procrastinated by saying, someday or one of these days, and one of these days has become none of these days because we haven't done it. Do you know that there's nothing more fatiguing as the internal hanging on of unfinished business with God? Because of unfinished business, some of you are in a hole, in a rut, in a spiritually dry place. That person God told you to forgive or that step of faith he told you to take, or that sin he told you to repent of, or that situation he nudged you to walk away from, still remains undone. And God says, do it now. It's got now all over it. You say, well, why would it even matter, Jeff? Here's why, and you'll care about this, because a blessing awaits the moment you obey God. A real blessing. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, the prophet says, If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat, and you will eat the good of the land. Did you hear that? If you do it now, if you do what you should do, you will eat of the good of the land. When we obey God, it is the key that unlocks the door to provision from the hand of God. Is there anything left undone in your life? Is there anything left undone? A woman came up to me after the first service. She said she was crying. She said, Pastor Jeff, that message so touched me because nine years ago, my husband was an unbeliever, and he said to me, if you don't quit going to church and quit reading the Bible and quit praying, I'm leaving. She said, I say to you, Pastor Jeff, I regret it, but I, quit pr I, t I promised him I would quit praying, quit reading the Bible, and quit going to church, and I quit. And she said, he left anyway. I said, well, of course he did. And I said, you made a covenant with hell. And she said, but, but then God showed me, go back. Go back to that unfinished business. Go back to that promise you should never have made and make it right. And she said, as soon as I did, I didn't care what he thought anymore. And I started seeking God and praying again. And the blessings of God have begun to flood my life. There is unfinished business. Is there any in your life? I'm going to say one last thing forgiveness. This has today, now, written all over it. Forgiveness. You know that nothing will quench the fire of God within you like unforgiveness towards somebody else? Unforgiveness? We're to forgive. Listen carefully. When we're offended, when somebody makes us angry, hurts us, and I mean, it crushes us and our heart is bleeding or we're so full of anger at them, we can't see straight and we want to take vengeance on them and we think bad thoughts about them, murderers' thoughts, angry thoughts, vengeful thoughts. 
But there is a moment when you're first offended that the grace of God is there to give you an opportunity to forgive. Listen to what the Bible says. Beware lest any of you fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up inside of you, defiling many. Look what comes first. When you're offended, grace comes. And what does grace do? Grace gives you and I the ability to do the will of God. It strengthens us. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. When we obey God, that's grace. When we overcome sin, that's grace. When we're able to, to, to do what he has called us to do, that's grace. So that grace comes to help us forgive. So there's an opportunity, there's a season there where we can receive that grace and forgive. But if we don't take it, then the root of bitterness goes down and then it springs up and it defiles many. The longer you linger over an offense, the harder it is to forgive. It's easiest to obey God immediately. Scripture says if you're angry, don't let it become a sin. Get over your anger before the day is finished. Do not let the devil start working in your life. Do not give him place in your life. Don't give him geography in your soul. Don't give him property in your soul. Don't let him get a stronghold on your life. Don't let him become a squatter in your soul. Unforgiveness lets the devil into your life, and it cuts us off from God. So forgive today because tomorrow may never come. You may be, oh, you know, one day I'll forgive them. No, you may not because you may not be here. They may not be here. Today, everybody say with me, today. Can you stand with me? And I'm going to ask that there be as little movement as possible unless it's this way in just a moment. Because this is a very sacred, powerful moment for some of you. Jesus urged us to make the most of every opportunity while we can. Every opportunity has an expiration date. Three things cry out. Do it now. Your salvation unfinished business with God, forgiveness. Can you bow with me for just a moment of prayer? I don't know many of you personally that are here, but here's what I do know. I know that God loves every one of you, and He is knocking on the door of every heart here He's not here to judge you. He's not here to condemn you. He's not here to beat you up. But here's what he is here for, to call us home, for us to make things right with him, to do some things now, today. And with our heads bowed, if you can say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with God, but I have drifted. I've drifted. I've gotten away. And I know that what you said is what he's already been saying to me. I need to make that right, and I need to do it now while the opportunity is still there. Maybe you've never known Jesus at all in your life. You've been in church. You know some Bible verses. You can talk the talk, but there's never been a change. 
there's never been a transformation and you know it today you can say Jesus come into my heart and you can do it now you can do it today do it today while it is day you may not have tomorrow you may never have another opportunity like this if you can say, Pastor, I'm in one of those two categories, and I will let you pray with me. Would you raise your hand right where you are? God bless you. Raise them high where I can see you. God bless you, many of you. I tell you, God is here today. And I'm going to ask if your hand is raised. I want you to slip out, and I want you to come and stand in front of me right here. You say, why do I need to come down there? Because when you take one step, it's a step of faith. And God's going to begin to answer you before you even make it down here. But I want you to come. Come quickly. Don't Listen, if you, if you say someday or I'll do it later, do it now. Do it today. Today is the day that God wants to change your life. And I'm going to wait for you to come. Now, if you can say, I have unfinished business, and I know I do, there's something I can remember back that I need to take care of, that I need to settle with God. Would you let me pray with you today? I want to ask you to come down. And by coming, you're just saying, I need prayer and I need God's grace for me to do what needs to be done and do it today. Now, while these folks are coming, we're going to sing just a stanza or two. Thank you, Lord. God is touching people. God is touching people. now look at me just for a moment you know the bible says no man comes to jesus unless the spirit of god draws him you didn't picture yourself in an altar when you started to go to church today but here you are and your faith has brought you to christ so we're going to pray right now first for those who need to get right and as we pray the old is, is going to pass away and all is going to become new God's going to make you a new person. So let's pray together. And you're welcome to pray with me, church, if you want. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me for my sin that separated me from you and to come into my heart in the name of Jesus, I turn to you. Guide my life from this moment forward. Now the rest of us, let's just all pray together. Lord, I give you any unfinished business. If there's anything back there 
where I did not obey. Show it to me and give me the grace to do it now. Do it today. Make that call. Forgive that person. Forsake that sin. Thank you, Lord, for your grace on my life now. Now, can we lift our hands and say, Lord, I give it to you, and it's yours. I release. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. And there is a divine exchange happening right now. You're giving God what held you down, and he's giving you his peace and freedom. And I want you to know that it is done. It is done in this altar today. It is done in this altar today. It is done. 